six clicks. Global risk management, compliance and ISMS capability software. Sixclicks.io. This is the Six Clicks podcast. Risk management, governance, compliance and cybersecurity news and opinion from the industry's best. Hello and welcome back to the Six Clicks podcast. It's Stephen here. We have a very special guest today. Uh, we're in the middle of a big chapter point in history. Uh, businesses and processes are being rewired and will remain so in a post-COVID-19 world, which means uh, we will too. I don't mean that you won't be going back to the office, but the office will never be the same again. I don't think you are not your job, of course, uh, but when we change our environment, it changes us personally. So in this first of two chats with today's guest, Virginia Henningsen, today in part one, we will be dealing with the big picture regarding our minds and bodies. Then in part two, the solutions and tips for leaders to propel their companies through and beyond our current challenges. You'd, you'd be surprised what uh, all this remote working is doing to our brains. Let's get started. Virginia Henningsen, experienced organisational psychologist and HR director, skilled in cognitive optimization, neuropsychology, psychological assessment and development, HR coaching, leadership, talent management and founder of U Cities, Virginia. Thank you very much for joining me today. Well, thank you for that, Stephen. That sounds pretty awesome, actually, when I hear that. So that's um, that's good. Look, I am really looking forward to sharing some of my expertise with you and your audience today. And look, I agree. There are certainly a lot of changes that we've all been exposed to in the last couple of weeks. And, and I think you're right. It's going to keep going. Um, and there's obviously also lots of articles and information that's available online at the moment about how we're all coping with COVID-19 how we're coping with working from home and how we're coping with being in isolation. Um, as an org psych, I guess I'm, I really gravitate to all the working from home articles. They really are things that I'm really interested in. And I think across the board, I think there's some really great tips in there um, to help people work productively at home. So I'm not going to go into that a lot because you guys can just go have a look at that and, and read all the tips about putting your, you know, your laptop somewhere and you know, getting dressed for the day and having a structure today. I think all of those things are great. The one thing I will say, though, is that underneath all of those tips, it's all about priming your brain to approach your work with optimism and energy. So say the tip about getting ready for work um, you know, instead of working in your pyjamas, that is much less to do with what you look like or even how you feel, but it's everything to do with priming your brain for the day ahead. So let's have a look at this tip about getting dressed for work. So when you're working from home from a brain priming perspective and having this understanding of what's happening when we're getting ready for work actually might help that tip work for you a little bit more. So typically being prepared and primed for work, that all just happens automatically. You know, the alarm goes off, we get out of bed, we eat our breakfast, we get ready for work and, you know, get into the office. And that whole time we're priming our brain for actually working when we arrive at our desk. But now, of course, um, we're working from home. But we still need to do that priming by getting ready for work and thinking about the day subconsciously as we normally do. So you would get ready for work the way that you have always got ready for work um, and you'd have your shower, you brush your teeth, you put on your clean clothes um, and the overall outcome that you want to generate, again, it's not about really what you look like. It's that underlying feeling that you're ready for work and it's 
The way that you've got to do that is it has to take about as long as it normally would have. So if you're someone who used to get up at 6am and leave for work at 7.30, it's got to take that long. If it's a seven o'clock wake up and you leave at 7.45 and then you've got a 45 minute commute to work, again, that's the amount of time that you still need to set aside for priming your brain. Now, it doesn't need to be the same clock time. You don't have to get up at six o'clock. That's probably one of the things that we're all noticing. We don't have to get up as early. Um, as we used to. But you should still be working towards that estimated time of arrival at your computer after your usual getting for ready for work time. And having this amount of time getting prepared, what it's really doing is it's priming your brain. You are subconsciously, and that means you're not even thinking about this really, but you're subconsciously thinking about the day ahead. You're thinking about what your priorities are going to be. You're thinking about how you're going to approach challenges. And so you've already done some of that cognitive work before you even get to work. Now, if you've got kids, um, you're probably used to getting them ready for school or daycare and packing their bags in the morning as well. So you're probably still going to have to do that as well. Yeah. Um, but you might find that you've got a little bit more time with them. Maybe you don't pack their lunches because you're doing that at lunchtime. So you might actually have a little bit of extra time with them and you could use that in a slightly different way. You know, one of the things I think is really helpful for little kids is to just ask them how they're feeling and really listen to them really deeply when they respond to them and try to attend to any needs they've got. You know, they'll ask questions, try to answer them. Set them up for the day by letting them know when you're going to be having your breaks um, and when they can catch up with you during the course of the day. And look, just from my experience, um, dedicating a little bit of extra time with the kids first thing in the morning sets them up to feel, you know, more content and more independent for more of the day, at least some of the time. It doesn't always work. <laughs> but that is something that we can start with. And, and you know, it depends on the age of the kids. Mm. So look, back to all those tips and suggestions about getting ready for work, you know, and, and, and working, not just getting ready for work, but working from home. I, I, would, I think it's a really good idea to evaluate each of them in terms of its ability to prime you, to get you really working, because it's not just working from home, it's working from home productively. And you might even notice that now you're aware of this underlying priming principle that you approach each of the things differently, whether that's setting up your computer somewhere that's different to where you have your lunch or different to where you rest in, in the evenings, you know, whatever it is. But if you understand that underlying priming principle, you're getting your brain really ready to work productively when you're working from home. So hopefully that, that is something that could be very helpful for you. And Stephen, I know that you mentioned about the big change that we're all moving through right now. And I think it's this adjusting to working from home. But I also think it's this myriad of do's and don'ts emails that we seem to be getting from everyone. I mean, I even get it from Officeworks have sent me an email about some suggestions for working from <laughs> home. Um, I think we've got to adjust to interacting online rather than in real life with, you know, for work and socially as well. And then we get these constant alerts, the constant reports on COVID-19 that really demand our attention. And even with everything that I know, um, I feel compelled to check out where the geographic hotspots are. You know, I need to know where they are every day and check if they're near me. Um, so I know that's what's happening with everyone. That's probably not just me. But if we are, and I do think, if we are fortunate enough to be able to work from home, we need to really, as I said before, just start working as productively as we can at home. 
And so when I look at that from an auxite perspective, I think, number one, it involves us learning. We've got to learn something new. We've got to learn how to operate at home and work. But it is also combined with needing to make all those massive changes that we've all had to make in our everyday life, you know, according to all the restrictions that are in place. We can't see our co-workers. We physically can't see our friends. We can't see our family members either who are outside of a household. And then that stress of seeing those corona updates, you know, this is all really new. And those three things, you know, the change, the learning and the stress they are three things that use up a heap of our brain's energy. And if we are now then finding it hard to focus, we're finding it hard to pay attention, um, we're finding it harder to access our higher order cognitive skills, this is just because all the brain's energy is going into the stress response. It's going into dealing with change and it's going into learning all those new things that we need to, to learn. And that is completely normal. Mm. Repetition. Um, uh, just speaking from my own account, I know that I'm a uh, quite the creature of habit, and I don't know what the connection is. But you somehow feel that everything's been sort of tipped on its head. And I, I never thought I'd be having a guest on this show to actually ask this. But let's talk neuropsychology. Um, that uh, that big connection of what's chemically going on in our brains, resulting in the effects of our cognition and our behaviour. Um, in the current situation, it's, it's changing right before our eyes. That seems to be a massive challenge uh, personally for me anyway. Yeah, and, and you're not alone, that's for sure. But I'm glad in some ways that that's happened because I'm, I'm, I'm really, um, one of the things I want to do is I want to help people move away from feeling on edge. I want them to be able to for, feel more in control and to have, to go about their work at home with a little bit more ease even in this so-called new normal. So um, I guess we can buckle in now. It's time for Neuropsych 101. <laughs> um, and, you know, after I learned this stuff, you know, I actually felt really relieved um, because I realised that it wasn't me. It was just my brain. And me under pressure wasn't dictated just by my personality. It was dictated a lot about from, from the way all human brains have evolved over time. So, okay, if you're ready for a little bit of brain work, let's jump in. Um, yes, I desperately need it. Okay, good. So think of yourself as having three brains and each of those brains represents a different stage of human evolution. And the three brain theory is just a really easy way to broadly understand and remember, remember how our brains work. So the original brain, the first brain. So if you think back to prehistoric reptiles like dinosaurs, this is the brain that they had. Um, this is the brain that is still present in, and the only brain that's still present in, say, birds and reptiles today. So it's housed in the brainstem, so that's at the, the bottom of our brain, and it controls all the basic but the really vital functions like breathing, circulation, digestion, um, our heartbeat all the things that are very instinctual and automatic. It's very critical to our survival, of course, but with this brain, it doesn't need us to think, it doesn't need us to feel to make it work. And then as mammals evolved, we developed a second brain um, and it's called the limbic brain or the emotional brain. And that sits on top of the original brain. And that generates emotions based on what we're taking in from our environment. And all of those responses that it generates are really automatic and they're very reflex oriented. You know, there's no conscious analysis. There's no interpretation that's needed. The focus very much on this brain is on preservation and survival. So it drives things like hunger, 
pain, sleepiness, anger, fear, pleasure. It releases endorphins and dopamines, you know, the hormones and neurotransmitters that make us feel good. And it also includes the amygdala. And I don't know whether you've heard of that, Stephen, but the amygdala is a really interesting part of the brain. Um, and in fact, that there's lots of research and investigation in animal studies and in humans who have had damage to the amygdala or areas surrounding the amygdala. And that's because the amygdala holds all of our memories of all of our past fear experiences and it triggers that fight and fight response. response. But if you're interested, um, anyone, if you're interested, have a look at the case of Phineas Gage. And Phineas Gage is a guy who in the 1800s, I don't know how this happened, but he survived a steel rod going through one of his eye sockets and damaging a huge portion of his brain. And the incredible thing was not only did he survive, but he could still speak, but he had massive changes to his personality. And I think that um, if you are interested in, in, in this sort of stuff, have a look at him um, online. It is really fascinating to see what happened. What's his name again? Phineas Gage? Gage, yeah. So P-H-I-N-E-A-U-S, Gage, G-A-G-E. So it's 1800s. So, you know, there's there's photos of him and drawings of him and drawings of what happened to his brain. But it's just, it was a very early understanding that that we had three brains, that one part of your brain could be damaged, but someone could still speak, someone could still walk around, someone could still talk. I mean, that is really incredible. So I think it'd be important important to address that area of your brain that deals with emotions and uh, we're feeling a little bit anxious and we're all off kilter. Um, perhaps in times like this, uh, now more than ever, it's really important to talk about those emotions, give yeah. them a name, give them a face, yeah. give them a label. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll talk about that because I think that that is one of the, that is a really easy way that we can get some control back and, and we like to feel in control of things. So I, I agree. Let's let's definitely talk about that. Um, but back to that three brain theory, you know, we've got those two brains, the, the original primate, um, sorry, the original brain that we've got. Then we've got the mammalian brain, the emotional brain. That's that what we're talking about now. But in the most recent stage of evolution, we developed the third part of our brain. And that's usually what we think of most of the time when we think about brains. You know, when we're thinking, we're thinking about that part of our brain. So it's called the prefrontal cortex. And it wraps around the other two brains. And it's responsible for all of our higher reasoning capabilities, thinking analytically, thinking critically, uh, logically, being able to problem solve, plan for the future, think abstractly. This prefrontal cortex regulates and it tries to control the responses in the limbic brain. And it provides a really good counterbalance most of the time. It's very reflective. It's very contemplative. It's very methodical. Um, and it's, of course, unique to human beings, but it really enables us to weigh alternatives rather than just responding to our first instinct. So that's the structure of the brain. There's three different brains that have evolved over time, the basic original brain, the secondary limbic brain and the prefrontal cortex. But for the brain to function, it needs a really steady supply of blood flowing through the three brains and the blood delivers glucose and oxygen for the brain to work. However, there is a priority system. The first primary brain and the secondary limbic brain will always get energy first. They will always have the highest amount of oh. blood flow to ensure our survival and our protection. 
And when both of those brains are satisfied with enough glucose and enough energy and enough oxygen, the prefrontal cortex is then supplied with some energy. And so our ability to think, to speak, to reason um, with numbers, that is not as important to the overall brain as just keeping us alive and keeping us safe. So when we can't think, when we can't think rationally, when we can't focus, when we can't pay attention, when we can't access our, our true capabilities, this is because there is actually decreased blood flow to the prefrontal cortex. And with no energy supply, it's a massive feat to be able to use that part of our brain. Um, so, you know, Daniel Goleman, I don't know whether you guys have heard of Daniel Goleman, but he is a very well-known psychologist and he's called this lack of blood flow to the prefrontal cortex when we're stressed or under pressure and the limbic system is just left to run wild. He's called this the amygdala hijack. And so when a new situation arises, for example, we're now all working from home, we receive some new information or we're finding something tough or difficult, that information will always pass through the limbic brain first and then it will move to the prefrontal cortex. However, sometimes the amygdala in the second brain reacts so quickly to that new information that the information never gets to the prefrontal cortex and we go straight into the fight or flight response. And that involves increased heart rate, which doesn't feel good to most people. It results in tunnel vision. So we're taking in less information from in terms of what's going on around us. We've just got the blinkers on. We get massive, big releases of adrenaline and cortisol. We get reduced activity in the digestive system. So often in stressful situations, people will talk about having tummy problems. Um, there's a downregulation of all of our hormones and increased blood flow to all the big muscles of the body. Now, all of this can happen in varying degrees while we are just sitting from our laptops working or trying to work, and the amygdala has hijacked the body's response, and it takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort to do anything using the thinking part of the brain. And if you can just remember, that is because there is reduced blood flow and reduced glucose going to the prefrontal cortex. How can we fix that? What can well, we do? There's a couple of things that we can do. And I think um, number one would be a really simple thing of just taking some deep breaths, you know, deep, really deliberate deep breathing where you breathe in very, very deeply and then you exhale all of the contents of your lungs and do that maybe two or three times. And this is not our normal breathing. This is a very deliberate way of breathing. Um, that is shown to actually start to reduce the floating levels of cortisol in our body. So that is definitely one thing that it's pretty easy we can start doing. Just really slow down your breathing and breathe deeply and exhale as much as you can. And I think the second thing that we can do um, is a little bit of activity, a little bit of exercise, you know, stand up. At the very least, stand up, go for a walk. Um, if you can actually get a little bit more energy and you should be able to, in that situation, you've got a lot of blood flow to the big muscles of the body, you should be able to do something. But what the research tells us is that if you can do three minutes of cardio activity, and that could be running up and down the stairs, it could be skipping, it could be running on the spot, it could be doing some push-ups, it could be doing some burpees, dare I even say that word, but it could be doing some things like that, but just for three minutes. Three minutes is enough to get some endorphins and some um, some good feeling tra transmitters coming through from the body to the brain. 
to calm down the effect of what's happening in the limbic system. So remember, it is only three minutes. And even if you did that once a day when you're feeling like that, that is going to make a huge difference. If you did it every time you feel like that, you're going to be super fit. But um, <laughs> No, I, I think that that is that, that that that's definitely two things that that we can that we can focus on, um, and then the the thing that you mentioned before, Stephen, which was a really good thing around talking about how we're feeling, you know, sharing how we're feeling with other people, that is that is a proven way to actually feel better, and that is a proven way to get blood flowing to the front part of our brains again. So I might talk a little bit about that now if if um if that's okay. But the, the well researched method is called recognizing recognizing and labeling emotions. And it enables us to move away from processing emotion in a really unconscious way in the limbic system to processing it in a much more conscious, more cognitive way in the prefrontal cortex by just labeling the emotions that we're feeling. So essentially the technique, and again, I like things that I could close my laptop now and just go off and start doing, and I hope that people will do this, but it's essentially just to label your emotions, write them down or say out loud how you're feeling. It's very straightforward. I'll give you some examples. I feel angry. I feel nervous. I feel anxious. I'm worried about things. It doesn't even have to be a specific emotion. You know, you could just say, I feel out of control. I, I can't concentrate. I feel distracted. I feel really heavy. I feel really weighed down. None of that matters. What you're really trying to do is use words to describe how you're feeling. And it doesn't matter if what you say might be some things that might be conflicting with each other. Um, it doesn't even matter if it makes sense. It only has to make sense for you. Because what all the research and the neuroscience has found is that it's the use of language that actually activates the thinking part of the brain. So psychologists and counsellors have probably known that for years. We know that, you know, if we talk to people, by the end of the session, they're going to feel a little bit better. Um, but I guess we didn't really know why until the neuroscientists started actually doing some, some work in this area. And what they did was that they used brain scans or, or MRIs um, and got people to feel a strong emotion and got them to use this process to either write down how they were feeling or to say how they were feeling out loud. And then they put them into the MRI machine. And what they, what they found was that the activation moved the activity that was in the limbic system, settled down, and activation happened in the thinking part of the prefrontal cortex, which is exactly what we want. However, they also did this study where the person just thought about their feelings and just thought, I'm not feeling great today, this is not very good, and they were just saying these things to themselves. And when those people's brains were scanned, the thinking part didn't activate. All the activation just stayed in the limbic system. So remember, if you're using this process of labelling your emotions, you have to write it down or you have to say it out loud. And I fall into this trap all the time. I, mean, I, know, I know this back to front and I'm still thinking to myself, I'm having a bad day, I'm not feeling very good, <laughs> I'm feeling really overwhelmed. And it doesn't work. It never helps me. You've got to write it down. You've got to say it out loud. You don't even have to say it to another person. You can just say it out loud. You can just pretend you're on the phone or go away from other people and just say, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling this. And you will feel an immediate response in your body. And that and that is a really cool technique. And you know what? Some people would say that maybe suppressing those emotions is a better idea. 
Um, and they might say some things like, oh, just focus on the positive, you know, just forget about it, cheer up, look on the bright side. Yet, look, sometimes that's what we need to hear. Sometimes that does work. Sometimes that can put things into perspective. But in some of the studies that I've read, they found that ignoring or suppressing an emotion actually made it stronger. And they found that it made it so strong that it decreased someone's thinking skills even more. So I know sometimes you've just got to get it together. We've got to push it apart. But a really quick way to get it together is speak out loud and say how you're feeling or write it down. Both of those things will activate the language centre in the brain. So you know what? That is a lot of information about your brain that you guys have (laughs) never heard before. But I hope that you can keep those couple of things in mind, just managing the strong feelings and accessing your prefrontal cortex when that's needed, especially when you're working from home. So just remember the deep, deliberate breathing. Remember just even three minutes of some exercise can help. And that could be anything. Just jump up and down, you know, stamp your feet, anything for three minutes, put your timer on and just see how you feel. And then, of course, what we just talked about, labelling your emotions. They're three things you can start doing straight away. And I don't think that they involve any significant skill. So they are some things that you could start doing straight away. That is fantastic. Uh, don't, don't worry about freaking out your neighbours if, uh, if if your curtains are open and they see you doing star jumps at half past two in the afternoon. That's just you activating your brain and fixing up that floating cortisol. Virginia Henningsen, thank you so much. Uh, that'll wrap us up for part one, guys. When we come back for part two, uh, we're going to uh, discuss some tips uh, that leaders and coaches throughout uh, industry sections and, and business leaders can do to uh, help their teams get through challenging times like this. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking in to the Six Clicks podcast. Get in touch with us anytime at sixclicks.io or find us on your favourite socials.